Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Well, hello, everyone. I am Desiree Collins Bradley of Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Our episode today is brought to you by ATW Health Solutions. ATW Health Solutions is a Chicago-based healthcare advisory and consulting firm. We have gained national recognition for transforming healthcare delivery systems from ordinary to best-in-class. At ATW Health Solutions, we use a data-driven, evidence-based approach to make healthcare better by focusing on improving quality, safety, and most important, health equity in organizations and government agencies. Simply put, we create and implement innovative solutions for the right problems for the right people. And I am super excited today to speak on a topic that is near and dear to my heart, Black mental health in the youth community. We have an extra special guest today, Kiva Harper. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Desiree. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I can't wait to dive into this conversation. So, Ms. Harper, welcome. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hey, Desiree. Uh, my name is Kiva Harper, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I own Harper Counseling and Consulting Services here in Arlington, Texas. And I also serve as a clinical director. Uh, In addition to that, I'm an associate professor in practice in the School of Social Work at the University of Texas at Arlington, where I provide education to graduate students pursuing degrees in social work. That is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So you are dripping in mental wellness. (laughs) I am. I love it. It's my passion. I I believe it's what I was created to do. You know, I kind of want you to take a minute and talk to our listeners about the prevalence of mental health illnesses or issues in the Black community specifically. I'm glad you asked that, Desiree, because I'm often asked to speak about this topic, to do workshops, to do trainings, things like that, because we recognize that our experience is very different from others. And so within the Black community, just like we know that we're disproportionately incarcerated, we know that we're we're more likely to live below the federal poverty line, all of those things, just like 
those things with mental health were also um, disproportionately affected as well. Even though we are a smaller percentage of the population, the rate at which we see mental health in the Black community is rising. For example, we know that middle-aged white men are usually the, the people that, that die by suicide more than any other group, and that, that remains the same. However, those numbers are going down and the suicide rate for Black teenagers is rising. So overall, you know, white people are who we see dying by suicide more, but the numbers are rising for us. And for us to be such a small percent of the general population, the numbers are really alarming. The other thing is the component to this, I think, is the taboo in the community. Like I, I know just from personal family experiences, colleagues, friends, my community, that mental wellness, mental illnesses is something we don't talk about. It's like the like the dirty secret of the family. Like, you know, something's going on, but no one wants to talk about the issues or even seek help. I can't tell you how many of my family members or friends that I talk to and I say, you know, you really might want to see a therapist. And I've gotten this over and over. Black folk don't go to therapists. I get that so many times. And that's nothing, you know, it's like, I want to say we do, we can. <laughs> yes. And you're so right about that, that stigma. And, and even the statement you just made, I remember one of my favorite shows is Girlfriends. And I remember an episode with um, Tracy Ellis Ross was going, she was going to therapy and one of her girlfriends told her, black people don't go to therapy, they go to church. And so many times, you know, because we have such a strong foundation in our faith and we seek that out, but there are times where you need more than that. And so I think it's imperative for the church to also support mental wellness, to refer to professionals, um, anything that we can do. The more we're talking about this, the more that we are reducing the stigma. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The other thing I kind of want to talk about because we're in it right now is COVID-19 and the impact that that's made on um, mental wellness in the communities of color. And I, I'm starting to see this in the children. Like I'm yes. a part of, I'm very active in my kids' schools and I'm hearing from other parents, I'm seeing in my own children, the isolation impact, the, the just, I think the stress of COVID on them, you know, my, my 10 year old the other day when I picked him up from school and he immediately when he got in the car, he was like, mom, so-and-so didn't have their mask on and da, 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 da. It's like, he was just vomited all of this information as it relates to COVID and the stress. And I'm like, wow, at 10 years old, I just went to school and played with my friends and did my work. I wasn't thinking about, oh my goodness, I'm gonna get COVID, am I gonna die? I mean, he literally made yeah. that statement to me and it hit me like a ton of bricks because I was like, oh my gravy, he's 10 and he's carrying yeah. around this weight. So please, you know, talk to us about the impact of COVID. It's such a great question. You know, in my in my practice, in addition to doing com consulting and education, I also um, see a very small caseload of clients. And I will tell you that the numbers increased greatly um, around March of last year. Not only was I seeing new clients, I was also um, seeing my existing client. I mean, I'm sorry, my clients that I had seen previously who had terminated with me were coming back. And so I think with 
with COVID, you know, we, we experienced something, none of us have lived during a pandemic before. So you have the isolation, you have the loss and the grief, and I'm talking about grief of so many things, you know, of some of us actually lost people to COVID, but yeah. we've also lost the, you know, the special events, you know, there were students yeah. who were supposed to graduate that didn't get to have that full senior year experience. And I know, you know, you look forward to that. Your entire educational career is, mm -hmm. you know, your senior year and prom and all of those things. Um, so there was a lot of loss. There's a lot of anxiety, um, financial implication. And mm -hmm. when you talk about the children, their routines were completely disrupted. They That's had right. limited access to academic and social development. And then they're having to deal with things like, what is COVID? Am I going to die? What is, what is death? You know, dealing with these conversations that are way too big and too heavy for them at that age. And then I also noticed, um, I do see adolescents as well. And I noticed that with my adolescents, they were struggling so much in school, you know, because they have to be self-motivated and with some of the students being face-to-face -face and some being um, online. I think the students who joined virtually didn't feel that they were getting the same amount of structure and attention from the, uh, the teacher and they needed to motivate themselves. And that's really hard to do when you're anxious, depressed and dealing with loss and isolated from friends. So it's, it's definitely affected us. And we're not even gonna talk about the prison system, you know, which is already disproportionately, yep. disproportionately occupied by people who look like us. They were overwhelmed and, you know, limited ability to keep yourself safe. And then I guess the final thing is when you think about public health measures, you know, people mm -hmm. who receive home health, things like that, you know, once the pandemic hit, those things changed as well. You weren't able to visit your loved ones who were mm -hmm. in facilities. Um, you know, many providers, and I was one of them, had to, you know, stop taking patients because you can only do so much. And so mm -hmm. the access to healthcare that we've already had a barrier with in the Black community, those structural barriers remained, and then there were others added. So it's mm -hmm. definitely impacted our community greatly. So I'm thinking about patients that I know, community members. What advice would you give to them that they're feeling intimidated or overwhelmed and trying to seek help to address their mental wellness? Like, what advice would you give them to just get started? What would be the starting part for them? The first thing is to recognize that mental health is health. You know, we take care of our physical health, but we also have to take care of our mental health and our whole self. And seeking help doesn't make you crazy, in quotation marks. Um, as a community, we just have to, we have to discuss mental health in order to reduce the stigma. You know, you talked about those family members earlier, but gone are those days where, you know, Uncle Johnny was locked in the back in his bedroom and no one ever talked about him or what was wrong with him. We need to know what our family mental health history is like, just like we are able to tell our doctors um, if there's a history of cancer in our family, if there's a history of heart disease, we also need to know what's wrong with that relative. What is their diagnosis? Because yes. those things are hereditary too. And so 
talking about it, being more open, normalizing it. I love our new generation. You know, people like Simone Biles are taking a stand and saying, you know, my mental health is much more important than anything else. And we need to do more of that. Um, The other thing that I would say as far as a word of advice to people who are feeling uh, intimidated or overwhelmed is to treat this as you would anything else where you're hiring a professional to provide your service. Find a few providers, you know, do your Google search, find people that, you know, on paper look like they might be a good fit and then interview them. Each, most providers are going to offer a free phone consultation of 10 or 15 minute phone consultation, take that time to ask them questions and find out if they're a good fit for you. Because one of the issues and one of the reasons why I think um, people of color don't seek uh, mental health sometimes is because just historically, these Mm -hmm. systems have not been created for us. There's a lot of distrust because of history. And so, you know, going into systems that are unknown, we're very cautious about that. So in a case like that, maybe finding someone who looks like you, I don't think mm-hmm. that that's always necessary, but it definitely, um, for, for many people, that is, that's, that's the game changer for them. Absolutely. And, you know, and you touched on a really good point, you know, finding a provider that looks like you, that kind of is in your community. I know, for me personally, I would be more comfortable speaking with someone that can relate to me culturally, but that's, mm-hmm. that's me. And I, and I know I would say someone in my particular family member, that's really not as versed in the healthcare space. He is not going to sit down with, um, a white female and mm-hmm. I'm being perfectly transparent mm-hmm. and share with her, all the things that he's going through. So, you know, why do you think it's important to have diverse provider representation? You know, um, I want to go back to something else that you said, because, you know, I've been working in the field of trauma since the the mid nineties, and I've had a ton of training, but people that seek me out, seek me out because they see my brown face on my website. And that is usually, they don't usually care about my credentials. They are more concerned about um, understanding, me understanding them and them not having to explain a lot of things. And so when we talk about diverse representation, you know, you have to, you have to realize that when someone is coming in to talk about things that are are very private, very intimate, they don't want to have to explain a lot of cultural nuances. That's really important. And so um, in that case, sometimes finding a provider who looks like you helps reduce that. Um, They're less likely to deal with biases that, Mm -hmm. that you may see with our counterparts. Yeah. And then I think there's a level of trust there. You know, there's especially, I would say, young Black males. There's a level of trust that has been broken just, and I won't go down the path, but, you know, as it relates to the whole George Floyd situation and his murder, you know, it is, I would say, a resurgence of that mistrust. And so, you know, and, and I hear it, I see it all the time and so I I think that's that's really really important so you know as we come to a close I know we can talk about this all day long but I know I I try to keep it 
short and sweet. And but I want you to kind of take a moment and kind of give us any last um, insights. Are you working on something um, that's really innovative? You know, tell us a little bit about what you're working on and some last parting words. Okay, I think I'm always working on something. <laughs> I think the best thing to do is to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm there under Kiva Harper, um, LCSW. Um, same, the same with Facebook. I do monthly live streams on Facebook. I um, also post tips like this week. Well, last week I posted um, back to school tips for, for students regarding mental health. And then it was so popular that I continued it this week with the same thing, but for college students. And so I'm pretty active on social media. So that's the best way to figure out what's going on and what I have coming up. I am doing an Instagram live um, session tomorrow night. I'm a guest um, talking about stress. And on Instagram, I'm Kiva T. Harper. And then finally, I am planning a virtual training in September on mm -hmm. traumatic grief where we where I'm going to be talking to most it's open to all but it's really geared towards mental health professionals who work with families after they have um, lost a family member to suicide or to homicide. Okay. So that will be coming up September the 30th and I'll be um, advertising marketing for that over the next month. Oh, well, we'll definitely, um, I will definitely share that in our community. Patient Partner Innovation Community is also on social media. So I'll make sure and share those events and share them in the group um, so Thank that we you. can keep our group, you know, engaged. I think it's a, a very important topic and we won't get anywhere until we start the conversation. So we're just super excited. And I know as we're working ATW Health Solutions is partnered with the Office of Minority Health to really look at Black mental health in the youth community and, and how we're going to improve it, pull it apart, look at those policies. So I think this will be a great compliment. So we'll definitely stay engaged, stay in touch and really share what each other is doing is that's the whole point of patient partner innovation community. So thank you so much, Ms. Kiva Harper. This has been a wonderful conversation. I hope that our listeners have gained some value there and we'll definitely connect them with you and make sure that they know how to find you. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. As always, guys, you know, we want to thank our wonderful sponsor and supporter of Patient Partner Innovation Community, Dr. Natasha Washington of ATW Health Solutions. And as always, guys, be engaged. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com.